Shio friends, it's Shiashi here. As October slowly comes to an end, I wanted to do a mini to talk about domestic violence since October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I've never shied away from talking about my experience with domestic violence, mainly because I had spent so much time keeping the reality of the situation I was in a secret. You could call it embarrassment, shame, guilt. I felt terrible about myself because I was angry that somehow over the course of the relationship I was in, I had become oblivious to what the situation was. I didn't see the red flags. It was so normalized. Have I been choked? Yes. Have I been drug around by my hair screaming for him to let go? Yes. The fact is, I was in such a low place that I couldn't talk to anybody about what was happening. I felt useless, ugly, unworthy, all the things I was made to feel on a daily basis. I'm saying this now because we so often get lost in the idea that it must have not been that bad if she didn't leave right away. Worst of all, people want to diminish victims' accounts because it wasn't their experience with that person. Abusers don't show everyone they are abusers. How else would they get away with the facade? This is why so many victims feel like no one will believe them. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, a victim's reasons for staying with their abusers are extremely complex and in most cases are based on the reality that their abuser will follow through with the threats they have used to keep them trapped. The abuser will hurt or kill them. They will hurt or kill the kids. They will win custody of the children. They will harm or kill pets or others. They will ruin their victim financially. The list goes on. The victim in violent relationships knows their abuser best and fully knows the extent to which they will go to make sure they have and can maintain control over the victim. The victim literally may not be able to safely escape or protect those they love. Before we get into today's story, I just want to reiterate the prevalence of violence against Indigenous women. But I also want you to remember to be compassionate. When we cover these stories, we may all have those questions about why did she go back? Why didn't she just leave? Why this? Why that? When there's so much more to the story that wasn't reported. Have compassion for those who feel trapped inside an abusive relationship. More than likely, they want out more than they can tell you, but just don't know how and are too scared to even try. Have compassion for domestic violence survivors. We make our decisions carefully because we know what our abusers are capable of. We've seen them smile and shake hands with people only to watch that dark shadow cast over them the minute you are alone together. The Indian Law Resource Center says that, quote, in the United States, violence against indigenous women have reached unprecedented levels on tribal lands and in Alaska Native villages. More than four in five American Indian and Alaska Native women have experienced violence, and more than one in two have experienced sexual violence. The Habamadolel Pomo of Upper Lake Tribe is a federally recognized tribe of Pomo Indians in Lake County, California. Their history, like many other indigenous tribes, is full of false promises and mass genocide. On May 15, 1850, the 1st Dragoons Regiment of the U.S. Cavalry assaulted the population of the tribe's ancestors, predominantly women and children, in an aggressive military operation known as the Bloody Island Massacre in Clear Lake, California. I had read that a number of the Pomo had been enslaved by two settlers, Andrew Kelsey and Charles Stone, and they were confined to one village where they were starved and abused. Kelsey and Stone had regularly forced the Pomo parents to bring their daughters to them to be sexually abused. If they refused, they were whipped mercilessly. Many Pomo died from that abuse, and both men indentured and abused the Pomo women, and the Pomo were eventually able to rebel and murder their captors. In response, the U.S. Cavalry murdered at least 60 of the local Pomo. 
This area in Clear Lake, California is still referred to as Bloody Island to this day. What's exceptionally troubling every time I learn about a new tribe is this constant common thread of sexual abuse and violence towards women and children. The fact that this was happening in the 1800s and we're still dealing with these sexual assault, trafficking, and murder to this day, it just makes me sick. It's so prolific that there is a name for it, MMIW. Vanessa Yvette Nico was born on July 13, 1981, and was a member of the Habamadalel Pomo of the Upper Lake Tribe. She grew up on the Rancheria in Upper Lake, California. At the time of her death, she was 35 years old and a mother to six children, the youngest of which was only 11 months old when Vanessa died. In many of the articles I read, it stated that Vanessa had a tumultuous on-off relationship with the father of three of her youngest children, Willie Two J's Timmons. On June 30th, 2017, Willie had picked up Vanessa and their youngest child and took them to a home on Bridge Arbor Road in Upper Lake, California. By 2.15 p.m. that day, deputies had responded to a report of a physical altercation between a male and a female. The first deputy arrived on the scene approximately five minutes after the initial call. It was there that the deputy observed Willie assaulting Vanessa with a rock through an open bedroom window of the residence. He was able to get Willie to stop by using verbal commands. Willie was described as being high on methamphetamine and in a jealous rage, and he struck Vanessa on the head with a rock as she held her little daughter in her arms. She died at the scene. I'm not sure what led to this violent assault. I was unable to find any reports that detailed the specifics of what led to the attack. In November 2021, a jury found Willie 2J's Timmons of second-degree murder for Vanessa's death. They also convicted him of torture, inflicting injury, resulting in a traumatic condition, and aggravated mayhem, and special allegations of use of a deadly weapon and personally inflicting bodily injury. In March of this year, he was officially sentenced to 16 years to life in state prison. Vanessa's oldest daughter, Leanne Lynn Faber, gave a victim impact statement during the trial, during which she explained having to raise her siblings and reflecting on how her mother was missing out on knowing her grandchildren. She said, quote, The reason I want to speak today is because my mother loved you, and you did something horrible to her, and I just want to know why. And how could you do that in front of my siblings? My mom loved you with everything she had in her, and I don't know why you took a good person away from us. She went on to say, quote, I hope you're tortured every day knowing what you did to my mom. You have to live with that every day for the rest of your life. There was a mural dedication that took place on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Awareness Day in May 2021 on the side of the Habamadalel Tribal Hall. It was completed by muralist Shane Grammer and a group of dozen young artists. According to the Lake County News, the project was a partnership with the tribe, the artists, and Grammer's Hope Through Art Foundation, which is dedicated to broadening public awareness and education of social issues such as missing and murdered Indigenous women through art. Vanessa's cousin, Ida Morrison, said at the dedication that Indigenous people don't want to report domestic violence because the perpetrators are sometimes family members or someone they know personally. She said Native women are supposed to be strong, and so they think reporting abuse makes them weak. I'm here to tell you, being abused does not make you weak. You are stronger than you know because you are doing everything you can to survive. The only weak one here is the abuser. Abusers who don't get held accountable for their actions. Abusers who do get held accountable but refuse to acknowledge the harm they have caused on others. Abusers who just don't care that they abuse people. No one deserves to be abused. Nobody. It's now been five years since Vanessa's life was taken by the hands of someone who was supposed to love her. Please, please, don't forget her story. Shki. 
Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.